What's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 41 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Today's episode is with a friend of mine, Brian Chen. Brian and I met many years ago. I guess I'm not that old, so I can't say many years ago. But uh, we worked for the same company pretty early on in our careers. Um, I think we're right around the same age, so probably like early to mid-20s. A company called Syntas Corporation. It was kind of my second real sales job and kind of my first real like, hey, Fortune 500, big time sales. We're going to teach you how to sell. We're going to teach everything there is to learn about selling and we're going to tell you what to do and you're going to maintain your activity and everything to do that effectively. Um, so quite frankly, a really good place to learn. And we, we, we dive into a lot of that about um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the podcast, but um, we were both on a training for Syntas in uh, Brian's from the Portland, Oregon area. At the time, I was living in Tampa, Florida. I've since moved around, but I'm back in Tampa now. And um, we met in Cincinnati at a company transfer where the corporate headquarters were. And I remember just meeting him initially, obviously very different people. Um, at that time, my kind of exposure to other parts of the world had mainly been growing up in Boston in the Northeast in a very fast-paced environment, moving down to Florida in a very slow-paced environment. And kind of meeting Brian, he's from kind of, you know, out west, man. And uh, just very, very laid back, but in a um, very thoughtful, introspective way. And I'll talk a little bit more about Brian and kind of what I what what I took from this interview at the end. But he just really made an impression on me. Um, you know, you go to these sales trainings, and I and I had gone to a couple, and you meet a lot of people, and it's like some people, you know, for better or worse, you you make judgments on people, and you're like, yeah, I could sell, I could sell around this person with an eye shot or whatever. And then I just, you know, I was just, I, I remember being really impressed with Brian, really made an impression on me. And we kind of hung out that whole week and I uh, had a lot of fun together in the training and uh, at, uh, at a place called Frickers after the training it was like a local like bar and restaurant. Anyway, uh, we kind of quasi stayed in touch throughout the years, not like super, super um, type, but uh, kind of Instagram, all that sort of stuff. And when I started the podcast, I'm trying to look at people to come on and he just kind of dropped in my head. I'm like, I just love to have a conversation with him. It's been so long. So I reached out. He was gracious enough to come on. I reached out to a lot of people that I kind of had known. Um, and this is worth uh, a good story. I reached out to a, a lot of people that I've kind of known um, growing up or different parts of my career that that um, were in sales and now in sales leadership roles. And I was really surprised that no one was really interested in coming on the podcast. And I don't, I didn't take it personal. Like I don't want to come on your podcast. I just think a lot of people, maybe, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or I'm sure for some people it's a time thing, but, um, Brian was one of the few people that kind of, I'd known from my past that was like in the sales arena. Obviously I have a lot of other friends that you guys have heard, but was like, yeah, man, I'll come on. And, uh, it was just great to have him on. Um, and great to talk to him and great to, uh, a lot of the people that I bring on this podcast, particularly in sales are people I've ran into on LinkedIn. Um, and they're really successful. They've been around a long time. They're a lot older and there's great lessons in that. But as we talk about in this, Brian's a guy that's around my age and not all that far removed from kind of being new into sales. So I think there's some really good lessons that he brings forth here. Uh, so uh, instead of me telling you all about the interview, I'm going to let you listen to it. Hope you guys enjoy. And uh, don't forget to stick around at the end for my uh, color commentary. Brian Shen, welcome to the <laughs> Joe Ciccarelli Show, man. It's good to see you. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time, but our history goes back to the days at uh, the Cintas Corporation when we were hanging out in Cincinnati. So uh, we both come a long way since then, and uh, yeah, man, it's good to it's good to see you in flesh and chat with you live, I guess, or recording live ish. It's as live as we get in 2021 right now, so <laughs> I'll take it. 
Absolutely, man. So why don't you give us a little background? Tell us about what you're doing, um, a little bit about your history. Let the uh, my loyal listeners learn about you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, like you said, I'm Brian, and I we had met back in our CentOS days. Seems like an age ago uh, in a lot of respects. But uh, I think a lot of us, you know, we, as we talk about it, have, have pulled a lot from, from our experiences there. But uh, back to me, I grew up on the West Coast. I went to University of Oregon, graduated in 2008 with a finance degree, got hired on. I was, I was one of those folks that I really liked business in the sense and kind of a general term, but didn't really know exactly what that meant, right, and how that fit into to what you know, how does that translate into a good job or in a, in a career that you, you, know, you like and are satisfied with? Sure. I jumped into the management trainee program, which was really exciting for me at CentOS because it, it kicked you through a whole bunch of different uh, job functionalities, different job roles, a lot of uh, a lot of responsibility right off the bat. So that was that was kind of a trial. How did you find fire. that? How, how did you find that? Like, did you get recruited? I, I always wonder because, like, that was like a big thing at Syntas. It was like management trainees. Did they recruit you out of college, or how did that work? There is some recruitment out of college. Okay. Um, I I happened to stumble across it I, through our general manager at the time. His name was Tom Milner. He was just a legend when it came to you know kind of those roles and could have moved on from from a lot of different ways, but had just decided to stay general manager uh, and just was very well loved. Killed it, killed it what he did, um, but had the time to be a little bit more, I would say, uh, connected, right? And to, to, to kind of, to foster those relationships because of where he was at. Sure. And he had run into my stepdad in a pre, like like 20 years ago, earlier about uh, their, their businesses had crossed paths and they had become kind of acquaintances, friends from that uh, but hadn't seen each other in years and years and actually ran into each other at the, uh, just downtown, uh, downtown Portland and started, started kicking things off. Um, Tom had a son exactly my age, had a couple sons, but had a son exactly my age and who was graduating college and then promptly moving to Colorado to become a, a ski bum. And I was graduating, couldn't graduate fast enough with a finance degree and wanted to get to like the business, you know, quote the business world yeah. and was looking to like, you know, sharpen my teeth any way I could. And so I think that kind of you know, looking back on it, I think that kind of resonated with Tom about like, I have a son that's, I, I would like to maybe a little bit more business priorities and, and is becoming a ski bum. And I got this other guy who, you know, uh, in, in Brian, who who's a really hard worker and wants to like really engage in a lot of this stuff. So that was, I always felt like he kind of took me under my wing. So Tom, if you're listening to this, thank you. Uh, big impact on me. But that was, uh, it, it was a good experience within CentOS. I, I had, had, was given the opportunity to do a ton of different roles. Like we mentioned within the, the management trainee program, which was a, a year and a half to two year ordeal. But from there, got promoted four or five times into different uh, sales roles or, or service capacity roles, but always had kind of that sales component to it, uh, was was on the sales team. And then towards the end of my tenure with CentOS was a sales manager for a little over a year and oversaw a team of, uh, let's say, like 13 probably at its highest. Wow. So a, a couple different business lines within that and you know several million dollars of expenses every every year and those types of things having to manage to go along with, with the team of that size. Um, um, I mean, for, for those... In, you know, I, we want to keep going on your background, but I guess what's like, 
Synthoth was, was a pretty crazy company to start for. I got into it a little later. I did a couple other things. And obviously, you came into the, the managed training. But you guys, you and I were talking about this before. There's probably not many companies that invest as much time in training their employees as I mean, you, you, you and I met, you were, I was living in Tampa, you were living in uh, Oregon and we met in Cincinnati because our company, they flew us up there for training. So, I mean, that was a big thing. And I'm assuming when you got to manager, it was similar, like the investment they put in their people and stuff like that. I mean, that that's pretty neat. It is. Yeah. They, and there was a ton of, of training that came, came along with, with an organization that big. And I think people will probably find that you know, with all with all sorts of companies of that size, right? They've ha- they have a, they have a very clear dis- definition of who they are and, and what they do and, and how they and why they are successful and how they got there and yeah. to, to recreate that process over and over and over again uh, w- was great. And I think that the, that without even knowing it at the time got me to a level of sales skills of just some really solid fundamentals that I that I have used and and, and taken and used in other jobs and other functionalities, functionalities in my life, you know, all sorts of things. So that was really good. Where I think the, the flip side of that coin is that when an organization that big has such a, a keyed in idea of what they do and how they do it, uh, they, t- you know, they, they tell you to run your, your territory or maybe even your location. Like it's a, it's a franchise, right? It's your business, right? But you're, you're, you're you got to run it like it's yours. But the, what they don't tell you is that, like a franchise, there are very regimented rules to to play to play that game. Sure, yeah. you know you've got you've got to check all those boxes to be to be in that franchise. And so, if you don't necessarily agree with some of that, or maybe that's not the most value add to you, you still kind of have to play by those by those rules. Um, so, I think to a certain sense, yes, it really helps with all that training, but it's very it can be very single track minded. Um, and I think there's a lot of things out, outside of that. So that, that's been a fun experience. And some of the reasons why I thought after nine years, seeing that and being so involved in, in so many different components within a large company, wanting to see what that looked like elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I made a transition to an energy efficiency company out of Washington, um, where we, we would do uh, large scale project management and design of energy efficiency projects, specifically around industrial lighting. So it's a huge spend energy suck uh, for these large companies, huge, you know, 50, 100, 100 million square foot facilities that are running 24 uh, seven, that need to have this properly lit facility. Uh, we would come in, our team would design, implement, and uh, and do the incentives on, on a project like that. So different space in the but to me i think the biggest difference is with the company size i went from something that was like thirty thousand to 30 and and what that meant and it was a, it was a great organization and, because they've seen a lot of success and so they knew what they were doing but they were still trying to figure out like how do we scale this so we have this winning model <clears throat> but how do we make this bigger and, and and scalable and so it was fun to to be part of that process and, and watch some of those challenges and those wins uh overcoming some of those those issues and from there, I had done, and I was telling you a little bit about this, I was actually um, kind of double dipping and being a, a consultant advisor to uh, a company that mm-hmm. I had ran across through actually through a connection of an old coworker of my wife's uh, who had, had known that I had some sales experience and, and we had chatted about her company that she had founded called Stemless, who was uh, who's now doing marketing basically for small to medium business size, um, size business. And as an advisor role, we had a, we had hit it off really well. We saw the company do some really good things in the in the growth uh, arena, mm-hmm. but we're still pretty small. 
And then I, uh, as that company grew, as Stemless grew, it made more sense for me to, to kind of move in a full-time capacity over to Stemless. Uh, again, making a step down to a much smaller organization, but I've really enjoyed that. Not, not that it doesn't come with its, uh, its, its daily challenges, but being able to, to move as fast as we do, to have the kind of growth impact we have. You know, like the first year I was there, I think we grew 600%, which would have just been wow. unfathomable but for other locations. But, you know, you start small, it's, it's, e- it's easier to, to make those types of gains. Uh, but that's been really fun to not only see that kind of growth and that quickly, but also everything you do makes a big impact. Um, yeah, which I think, I know we're talking I, about that, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was kind of missing that a little bit. You're just like, you know, you talk a lot about your, your podcast of like what drives you and, you know, why are you doing this and how do you, how do you get to those goals? Uh, and a lot for me personally, it was needing to find something that I was more engaged with from that seven to five, 6 PM kind of thing. Right. Cause yeah. we spend so much time in our day to day working. Uh, it seemed it seemed like such a waste to, to do it, do it something that you're not, you're not really fully invested in. Yeah. And you do the customer success there now, right? But I'm assuming you're involved in sales. You're involved in all different, I mean, all components of kind of everything that you guys do. Totally. Yeah. So my, my technical title is the director of customer success. And I think that's the role that we had outlined that for me, but there's so much more that goes into that realistically so onboarding new customers, selling new customers, prospecting, um, we're automating a lot of that onboarding process mm-hmm. uh, right now. And, and we have been, so my, my bigger focus now is shifting into, uh, developing larger partnerships throughout the, the industries, um, for us to, to work with and, and use as channels basically for our end consumers, do that through integrations and some other, uh, types of partnerships. But we, that has been a really fun dynamic, um, not only the partnership piece, but just having such a, you know, part of my day is maybe making cold calls. Part of my day is, is writing copy for a marketing email. The next is, is uh, a partnership uh, meeting with the, the CEO of maybe someone else in the same space. And we're looking to like, how do we help both help each other out type of conversation. So a lot of variety in my day to day and all of them. And, and it feels like all of that has a, has a big um, impact on what we're doing. And it, and what we're doing is, is directly affected by what the role that I'm playing. So that's, that's exciting. Like, Hey, I think we should go after X, Y, and Z markets because of A, B, and C reasons. We're able to effectively go after those. If I, if we think, you know, if that's, if that's the right thing for us to do, as opposed to running up the chain to get yeah, you guys are nimble. 17 approvals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meetings, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love this meetings about meetings. And now you know, we just get to, I get to really cut down to the chase of like, here are the things that I think are value add and here's how I'm going to pursue those things and let me run with that. And that's been a really nice and almost like a fresh of breath air versus like, get your numbers in. How many of these did you do? How many of these did you do? How many of those did you do? Uh, and a lot of that stuff, although generally you're generally good i think misses the mark a lot of times uh you can't just focus on just inputs although important it's got to be quality of inputs or these are right inputs Uh, am i giving to the right people those types of things so it's allowed me to worry less about meaningless metrics and focus on on really what i deem as as value add work yeah um i don't know why this just popped into my head but if you were to compare yourself and 
you're at this point in your career and all that sort of stuff now to where you were maybe 10 years ago, what's the first thing that kind of pops into your mind? First thing that pops into my mind is I think I have a much better understanding of, of this might sound cliche, but like how the world works of, of the interacting parts of the different components of, of maybe either of an, of an organization, but even how that organization fits within the, the, the landscape of the industry and what, how that entry fits in the landscape of a larger, the context of the market, those types of things where I think 10 years ago, I was so, you, you get so tunnel vision, right? And especially in some of these roles of like, I need to make this many calls. I need to sell this many people and whatever, whatever Kool-Aid that I'm selling is the best Kool-Aid ever made. And you, you've got to have it. And you're, if you don't have this Kool-Aid, your, your life is ruined. And there's, I think some of that needs, you know, sure. Some people need that. And that, so maybe if that's for, for them, uh, for me to just didn't quite, that only, that only went so far and, and needing to find other ways to, to really engage and interact and, and find benefit from, from what I'm doing. Yeah. How would you, you know, and I think you and I discussed this before, right? Um, it's like having worked at Cintas, which is that. I mean, there's a sustained success model at a company like that, a lot of companies that operate. And it's, you need, if you're not doing X amount of new presentations a week and X amount of cold calls during this particular time and doing this, 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 and this, it's going to be hard for you to be successful. That said, all you got to do is check those boxes. And unless you're a real asshole, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to figure it out. Um, do you agree with, in, Something that was interesting before I get to the question, I guess, was really interesting what you said. It's like subconsciously, you kind of learn a lot of stuff. And I guess at the time now, it's a good way of, you know, I don't know that you use the word subconscious, but that stuff does get kind of buried into you a little bit. And you, it just kind of comes out in, in other areas in a good way, I feel like. How do you think, do you think that's the right way to, for people to learn sales is just put themselves in an environment where you're kind of forced to do the activity? That's really tough. It's, I mean, it's a tough question. I know. And I would say a lot of that with the, the, the people that I've had the chance to help develop, which has been a really rewarding part of the job is it's so dependent on the people, just like in a sales call, you can't, as we are talking about, you can't just sit down with somebody and start hawking whatever you want to sell. You need to understand who you're, who you're dealing with first and what, what matters to them. Uh, in order to, to properly, you know, so have a discovery call so you can actually make a, a, an appropriate presentation for those folks. Same thing goes, I think, with 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 uh, folks that I've helped develop, where some some are great at just doing the numbers. Some could care less about hearing no's and they can just really just run through everything. But I really need them to like dial in the professionalism and I really need them to stop swearing on calls or I need them to like there's other things we need to work on. But for the majority of folks, I think if you want to generalize it, yes, I think there's there's a certain amount of just doing, um, action, getting getting the inputs, and yeah, and I think that there I would I would say that though that there's a, a big difference, although it might be a, a nuanced difference between action and doing the inputs, like getting up and going and, and creating and doing the work that you need to to get to drive the results that you want to see is action to me versus I'm just going to check this box and put these inputs in and okay. So you need me to make X amount of calls. I'm going to make X amount of calls. They're going to be half-assed and I'm going to book no appointments off them, but I made my calls, you know, like that that box is checked. You told me boss, I was going to do, you know, that's what's going to, that's my sustained success formula. That's what I need. That those are, 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 
although similar, are very disconnected in, in what you're point. doing. So I, I think action is great. Get up. Like I'm a big fan of waking up every morning and like doing something in a positive sense, like waking up with that, like I can attitude, you know, there's a, and that's probably cliche at this point where you get up and make your bed. Right. If you mm -hmm. read, I think the, the book, right. So and, and, and getting small that, that wins or whatever. Yeah. To start. Yeah. And, and starting your day off with those action, you know, actionable things and, and making those, making your day based off of that, I think is a, a really good way to go about it, but not be so for, focused on, what am I just checking the boxes? You know, like let's, let's work, let's work on results. Reasons are results. I don't know if you remember hearing that one way back when, but it doesn't matter how you got there. You're either going to have a reason why you didn't get there or you're going to have the results. And so really at the end of the day, that's what we're, that's where you're going to come down to. Do you want to give a reason or do you want to give a result? Yeah. And really trying to focus on that result. It's a good way to look at it. what are things um, or are there things that you do personally um, in the morning? Like, do you have like a morning routine? Do you get up early? Like what kind of drives you to kind of, get things rolling in the right direction most days. Yeah. I, what I like to do is uh, work out in the morning. So, and I'm, and that term, that has not been the case for my entire life. So I have not been one of those like early risers and, and to, to go to the gym, at least uh, that has been a, a new habit probably in the last year or two, uh, which has been a really nice way. And, and, and just to be completely honest, I like, I am, I'm nowhere perfect, but what I try to do and how I kind of work my way into that is, is start with easy wins. Like if I, if, if someone's having a hard time, like waking up and getting started at their day at six o'clock, well, wake up at like five fifty and read something that you like to read. Like I like to read the news. And so a great way to, for me to start my day is just to turn over and start reading the news. Now I'm getting up and going and I'm doing something that's important to me, but I'm also doing something that I enjoy as well. And yeah. so it's not, it doesn't feel like quite like the, the it's slog dreadful. to get, yeah, yeah that the dreadfulness, right. You know, just like get up and start doing things you like. Like when I started, when I was trying to break my habit or start the habit rather of working out in the morning, because it's so easy at 5.30 or 6, whatever, just to hit that snooze button. <laughs> Don't I know it, it. It, it? Instead of doing like a, a crazy Peloton class at home, I like, I'll, I'll just watch a silly movie, you know, for 30, 45 minutes and, and ride the stationary bike. Right. And, and I enjoyed doing that. And so that helped me get out of bed. And then a couple months into that, I'm like, well, I can, I can work out a lot harder in the mornings now. And you start developing these good habits, but making those of incremental changes, but based on things that you like to do and resonate with you, I think is really powerful. Yeah. Have you read um, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear? No, I have not. Yeah, because you just basically described his process. Very, very <laughs> well. so, yeah, you, you'll have to check that out. But yeah, and it's a big thing. It's like it's less, you know, if you want to be someone that could, and, uh, and I, actually this is a good segue into the next thing that I want to talk to you about. But w one of the big things is, um, you know, when we want to bring in habits, we focus on external things versus internal things. So a good way to focus internally is like, what type of person are you? I'm the type of person that exercises regularly. Okay, well then what little thing can you do to prove that to yourself? So it's really defining what type of person you are and then doing little things to prove it. And so a perfect thing is if I'm the type of person that gets up in the morning and works out, well, maybe for the first three weeks, you just put your shoes um, put your shoes by your bed, get up in the morning, put on your shoes, walk to the gym, turn around and walk home. But just starting to build that habit of, okay, I do this. And then after two weeks to your point, exactly. Well, shit, I'm here. I might as well work out. Well, shit, I'm sitting here watching a show. I might as well start pedaling harder. Next thing you know, you're busting your ass in the morning. So I love that. Um, super, super good way of, and that was a big thing. I talked a lot about my, in my kind of last season of the podcast was like little things. I do had a little campaign where it was like, show me your salad. It's like, just eat a salad for lunch, go for walks. Mm -hmm. So I love, um, that approach. So when I look at, and I'm 
looping this back to sales, but really this is a bigger thing. And I, you brought up some of this before we got on, um, was I picture sales to some extent as like two components. There's a process component and that in many ways could be the inputs. Um, but it's also like, what process do you have? Right. And it's not always inputs. It's running a discovery calls doing this, but then there's this other thing that I, I call the potential and the potential is, you know, how do you achieve your potential? How do you become the best version of yourself? Um, and how do you do things your way in a way that feels your word authentic to you? So what's your take on that? Cause you were talking about that and there was some really interesting stuff that you had to say about your kind of do it yourself in sales. Um, what do you think? I think ultimately people buy from other people that they, they like, and they, they trust. And so there's, there's kind of those two different components of, of that equation. Uh, the trust, there's a lot of different ways to, to go about getting that. Are you a professional? Are you a, an expert in the, 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 uh, in your field that you're working in or do you just show up on time? You know, do you have the right follow-ups? You know, there's a lot of things that you can do to build that. Um, and the likability thing is, is such a, is, I think it, that's the art when it comes down to sales. Cause there are so many ways to go about doing it. I'm sure your listeners or you have seen, I know I have seen a successful salesperson is not one type of person. I've seen a lot of different type of people be successful. Uh, so to understand, I think to understand yourself yeah. and to be, be authentic to yourself, because I think, again, you want to like the person and people deal in, you know, interact with people that they, gen, that they like if they have the option to. And I think people gravitate toward, they don't have to be exactly the same, but they gravitate towards people being genuine and authentic to themselves. So, you know, if you're, if you're having a bad day, you, you say it, or if you like, you, you like the Packers football, you talk about it, you know, whatever, whatever it's like you being you in, in that sales presentation or in those interactions, I think is fundamentally critical to your happiness, but also to the benefit of, of the customer being able to relate to, to the person sitting across from them. Because I think so many times, especially young sales folks are just way too robotic. They're so worried about, they've got to get X, Y, and Z just stuffed into the sales call that they lose touch of just, you got another, you got another person sitting across from you. Just talk to, just talk to the dang person, you know, like, like, like just hear them out, understand them. You know, your product, you become an expert in your product and then look to see how your product and service can help that person. And if you can't tell them, you know, or or there are some shortcomings, tell them because they'll appreciate that. Those types of interactions I think are, are really valuable. Um, again, not internally to the salesperson, but externally in the, the results that they get, because I think it's so, it's so clear to see. Uh, I remember one of the sales guys in my office that I ended up, I was a peer with and then ended up uh, managing great individual contributor, absolutely seller. I would, I no qualms of saying he was the best sales guy in the office. I think I had a lot more experience and, and, and leaned into more of the development managerial side of things. He didn't even, you know, Type of thing. So I, I had an opportunity to work with him, but he was such a wacky guy. He would walk into an appointment and just, just like yell someone's name and just be like this weird, funny guy. Um, but which was just so him. It was him outside of the meeting. It was in him inside the meeting, and it really resonated with folks. And it was so not my style. And I wouldn't ever try to, I guess, imitate that per se. But what I think learning lesson for me was, people and, and he's. The people that 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 uh, employee was was working the the prospects were not anything like him either, but they were really responding well to him because th- I think they realized that's who he was. That's who he was. Yep, a hundred percent. And so, as long as you can be that and then genuinely 
convey like, hey, I am trying to help you and try to work something out here. I think that goes a really long ways in, in fostering that relationship. Yeah. And it goes beyond, goes beyond um, sales really, right? I mean, like, you know, all these things we talk about, how to be a good, it's really how to be a good person. Uh, and I know that's something that, that you, that, that you've talked about lately is the idea of kind of, you know, learning more about who you are. And you just said that a couple of minutes ago is, you know, people being themselves. How do you, all right, I'm 23, 24, 25, or maybe I'm 45, 50, and I'm kind of new into sales. I'm trying to get, wrap my head around the whole thing. How do I figure out myself in a way that allows me to be more of myself in a sales call? It's another fun question for you. It is. That's a great one, though. And something that, you know, you know, but it's a perfect one to ask because I've, I've asked that myself in probably different ways throughout my life, right? Like, what, what do I want? What do I want to do? I'm sure a lot of the listeners have as well. Yeah. And what I would think in, in two things off the cuff here is in a, in a practical sense, look for, look for, th- how do I say this? Go beyond the normal categorization of things and, and look for, for trends or for things that, that, that you, that, that speak to you, to you, or you identify with. And so I mean that like for, as an example here is growing up, there was this huge emphasis on job titles. You're going to be a, you're a doctor, there's a lawyer, there's an accountant, you know, you're going to be a, a business executive. Like there's very, these very siloed kind of role style things. And I always felt that was really challenging to navigate because they seem so boxed in. And as I, you know, again, having a, a better world perspective, there, I mean, if you take a lawyer, there's a million different types of lawyers. Do you want to do court law? Are you, are you going to be doing something in legislation? Are you going to be from a private company running your own practice? So there's a lot, a lot of sides to that. Sure. Even, even something that was just, you know, seeming seemingly so like individual. And so I kind of tailoring this back into, to your question is if there are, I, I would encourage folks and I would encourage like myself 10 years ago to, to find the things that speak to you, but look at them in like more broad strokes and then, and then look at the, those maybe top five, 10 things and how do those align and how can I find something to align that? Um, like for instance, if you like, if, you know, if I was talking to you, Joe, are you like, I, you know, I really like developing people. I really like being able to, to have a platform to talk to folks. Maybe, you know, podcast wasn't on your, your like list of things to do, but maybe looking at some of those, those, uh, characteristics or things that you're trying to pull out of the things that you do enjoy doing, how could, you know, where, where could those meet? Mm. I think is really big. And I, I was in an, another practical uh, exercise that I, I alluded to earlier when you and I were talking, Joe was, you know, if someone asked you, if, you, if someone cleared up your calendar today, what would that you go, what, what would you go do with that? The, yeah. Like, what would you go do with your time today? If I said, Joe, all your meetings are canceled today. What would you go do? You're like, well, I'll go to the beach and go hang out with my wife. Great. What if they were canceled for the next week? What would you go do? How would you spend your time? What would you go do if it was for the month, you know, six months, you, you know, bring that out. And I think that's kind of a good mental exercise to say like, where, where are my priorities lie in, in life? And how could I maybe make, where do I see some trends there? Oh, okay. I, I see that it's, it's physical. And I see that it's, it's, um, you know, I enjoy doing things that are social. I like working with people or maybe I don't, I run home and I read a book. And so like, you know, look for those types of, of commonalities and then challenge yourself to find that within the realm. Cause I think 
the more I the more I realize about what people do on a day to day basis, there's there's no no one job is exactly like the other one, and there's so many opportunities out there of, of different capacities. Like being a sales rep for a company with thirty thousand people versus a sales rep with with ten people, that role is drastically different, and in what you can do to it. So, being able to kind of look at the the themes there is beyond just the the title of the role. Yeah. I think it would be a big eye opening thing for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, what did you come up with, if you don't mind me asking, with with that? Like, so if you're right on day one, your day clears up. It's like, all right, I'm going to go probably sit at the pool. I, I thought, yeah, I don't know that I would. I'm trying to, th- I mean, yeah, what did you come up with for that? That's an incredible <laughs> exercise, man. I, I'm I going to take some take some time to journal on that one. So, I mean, I've had a couple of different iterations of this, right? Because every, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, your your priorities change in life. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have our first, we have our first kid. My wife and I have a, uh, our first kid uh, due this month. So our, our priorities, well, actually next month, excuse me, but our, our priorities By the are, time this releases, actually, you you may, because I think we're going to probably release around June. So yeah, you'll probably be a dad. So congratulations yeah, I'll be a, in the future. Thank you. But, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, you know, so that like obviously changes a lot of priorities in what I would do, right? So I think if I was, you asked me that question a year ago, I might be going out to the beach with friends or to the mountain. And now it's probably reading a baby book or, or, you know, putting up pictures in the nursery and, and kind of doing my, my nesting thing. So those have changed. I, as I've gone through those exercises, um, I was able to kind of highlight some things that I, I, I wanted to do. And, and some of that was being social, being with friends and being able to do it. And that was kind of the short term. Um, and then I kind of pushed myself to say, like, what would I do if I had more time than that? And obviously money was okay. Right. You're not like on the streets doing something. Uh, and that's where I felt like the the needing to contribute was missing in my my day to day life uh, uh, during work. Like I know I was working, and I know I had goals, and my manager, or my boss, at some point, would be like, "Hey, you know, you're doing good. You're hitting your numbers," kind of thing. But I wanted to make a bigger impact. Um, but I think in a in the, the nonprofit world would be a, a great. There's so many things that need need help out there. Uh, Financially, there, there, you know, that, that there is some, there's some drawbacks there. So, sure. wanted to find something that I could make an impact with, but also feel like I'm setting my family up really well, to the best of my ability to. So, finding a company that was small enough that allowed me to really just take the reins and, and do what I felt was necessary or, or wanting to do, felt really good. And I think maybe some of that had to do with years and years of experience of a lot of box checking, just because of that franchise model of like, hey, you gotta, you're in this big company, you gotta, you gotta play by our rules. When a lot of this stuff just didn't feel like it was value add. So then I'm going through the motions just to, just to please this then box checking. So I wanted to find something that I, I knew that everything that I did that day would be valuable mostly. Right. Um, and, and that's something that I've, I think I found as, as we, as we navigate that. So you should kind of navigate and prioritize. Um, yeah, man, it's funny when I was coming up with people to interview for this, uh, you just popped into my head because you're someone I felt like, you know, obviously we connected when we spent, you know, we hadn't spent a lot of time together, but just that one week. But um, I like the way you think about stuff. I do. You have a really, you're someone who's very intro, uh, introspective and um, yeah, I really enjoy listening to your thoughts on things. So I appreciate you kind of taking the time to come on here and 
let us into your mind a little bit today. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I am, I am nowhere perfect. You know, and I think that's, I, I kind of, that resonated with me when listening to your podcast, right. And kind of how your approach is, is I think one of your first episodes, you talked about like, Hey, if you're super successful, you're, it's a 10. And if, if you're not, you're a one and you're really trying to focus on like the one to fives. Right. Yeah. Cause at that point you, you probably up and running and going and you, you kind of have your own thing doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere a 10, but I'm definitely not a one, you know, and I've had, I've had a really, I've been fortunate enough to have a great working career. And I think there's a lot more ahead of that, um, as we grow and, but there is, uh, again, not perfect. And I, I have my, my struggles and my battles and just hopefully sharing some of like kind of my thought process and what I've done is, you know, hopefully help helping that one to that one to three, one to five kind of, kind of, uh, person out there. Because there's a lot of them out there, and I think we, we all share a lot of the similar issues and struggles that just doesn't get talked about in a practical way nearly enough, uh, or a way that is just way too prescriptive of like do steps one through ten over and over again, and you'll be you'll be fine. That might just to me that just feels impersonable. It just doesn't feel like that that's speaking to to everybody. Yeah, I mean that, that and that's why and you, that's why you were so great today too. It's like I try to. You know, we talked about that earlier on. It's trying to dial people back to like, okay, you're right. Getting up in the morning and making your bed's good. What else? What do you do? And you're 100% right. Someone listening to this, they're like, hey, like I need to get an exercise student. Well, get up and sit in a bike or go for a walk and listen to a pot, listen to a funny show. Do, you know, the actionable component of stuff is really what I think helps people. Because um, I think people want to do better. And unfortunately, we want to get to a point where we all just kind of get to know ourselves really well. But it's hard to get there. And it's, 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 it's. For me, I always found it's good to hear other people that, yeah, it's great to hear what Bill Gates did, but it's also good to hear what someone who's at a six or a seven, who's like, yeah, I get some stuff figured out, but I'm still figuring it out. It's, it's good to hear what they're doing, you know? Totally. And I think <laughs> the older I get too, the more experience I get, the more I realize that there are, there, there's wisdom to be had at all levels, Yeah. right? Uh, folks that you run into, and there's a lot of people at high levels that are not good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And they maybe got lucky. Maybe they're just really good at a couple other things um, that make up for it, but no one's infallible. So I think it's as a young professional going in, 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 especially sales, going into these kind of newer industries or worlds, it can be intimidating, but realizing this just, these are just real people trying to do their real job and, and needing to do the normal course of business. And this is just par for the course can be kind of like a, okay, deep breath. Let me just recenter. Let me, let me just be a real person and talk to this, to the, to the prospect. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so someone listens today, they're, they're really interested in you. Where, where would you point them to learn more about you and what you're all about? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and Brian Shen, S H E N. Uh, you can feel free to shoot me an email directly to me, Brian, B R I A N at stemless, S T E M L E S S dot co C O. Um, or you can go to stemless.co and learn a little bit more about what we do there. Um, it's a pretty interesting uh, kind of cutting edge marketing and customer engagement tools for, for small to medium sized business. So questions, comments, love to hear any feedback if uh, any listeners want to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try and get the, uh, get the uh, engagement going on, on LinkedIn as well, man. But uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you. It's been good to talk to you course, Joe. It has likewise been great to talk to you. I love what you're doing with the podcast. So keep up the good work, my friend. I'm excited to see where that takes it. 
What's up, guys? Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. I got my note card here. Let's break this puppy down. Uh, so I started out at the uh, at the beginning saying, you know, he's just a really thoughtful, laid back dude, um, but has you know laid back in the sense that he just thinks before he speaks, very introspective, which sometimes uh, isn't always the case for me. I, I operate quickly, and like I said, it's something I really kind of attracted me to him in just terms of yeah, this is he's an interesting person to have a conversation with, which is why I brought him on, and I and I I think you saw that he's he's a real dude. Um, and someone who uh, takes the time to really think through stuff from a lot of different angles. And um, yeah, just, just really an impressive person. And I'm really happy that he was able to join the, join the podcast. Uh, and, and, and I hope you guys kind of felt that as well. Oh, and my normal kind of post, post-conversation breakdown here, I've kind of got two things. Uh, and the first one I'm going to dive into that I really took from this, and I thought this would go this way, and I'm glad it really did, is uh, the importance of authenticity, particularly when you're new into sales. I think one of the things Brian said was so many new salespeople, they become robots. And uh, in his role, I know, just because I know um, what he did, you know, he we both worked at Syntax together. He got promoted pretty pretty high. I know he was a manager. I don't know if he went into the director role or not, but when you're a manager at Syntax, you're there's a lot of people reporting to you. It's a lot of new people in sales, uh, and that's also why I wanted to get him on the podcast. Um, a lot of new people in sales and a lot of people that are running around like crazy trying to figure stuff out. And a lot, oftentimes, particularly when a company has a really robust training program, maybe if they don't have a print training program and you have someone that's telling you what to do, you become a robot. You think, hey, this is the only way to do stuff, so I got to do this, and I got to follow the game plan, I got to be succeed, I got to do it, do it, do it, do it. And... Um, there's value in that. I'll talk a little bit more about the idea of kind of checking the box versus taking action here in a couple of minutes. But at the end of the day, the age old saying is true, guys. People people buy from people they like. They buy from people they trust. And they certainly gravitate towards people that are authentic and whatever that means. And he shared some good examples. There was some guy that walks into and starts shouting people's names. And um, that's probably not you. <laughs> it could be me, quite frankly. But um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is, or it it doesn't matter who it is. But it matters that whatever you are, you find that out and you bring that. And it's I just always come back to this. You know, I struggle because there's so much advice. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Spend a lot of time reading stuff, and there's so much advice on how to be. Uh, and that's fear, right? Because that's talk about that. If you do this and you do this and you do this, you can be successful. And there's so much advice on how to be in sales, what type of person to be. Um, and I think people get that confused with they need to change who they are. This is a really hard lesson to learn. It's it's a very, I think the further you get into your career, the easier it is to say, oh yeah, of course I could have done, um, you know, I, I did all these things and now at the end of the day, I just realized I just try and act like who I am, bring who I am and every other scenario to work and People appreciate that about me because it's real. Um, and it's super like, of course, that's what you're supposed to do, but it's hard in the moment. And I totally get that. And, uh, and that's kind of why I pushed him on like, uh, how do people do that? And I really like the idea of, um, and there's really no other way to be authentic than to um, have a general idea of who you are and start to accept that as a person, right? I mean, um, so many times people tell us, hey, we're a certain way or you're a certain way and we think, oh, we need to change that. But really... If that's who you are, as long as you're not hurting anyone, then that's that's what it is. Um, and 
starting to figure that out, and we kind of were both kind of dumbstruck when he brought up the idea of what would you do if your day or your week cleared up? Uh, what would you do with your time? And it's a really hard question. It's oftentimes a question that comes up in coaching a lot because the initial visceral response is, well, I just go to the pool. I just go to the beach. I just chill out. Uh, and when you get beyond that, that's not really what most people want. And when I say most people want, it's more, I guess, that's not who most people are. Most people aren't someone that just wants to get up and sit at the beach all day, um, maybe for a day or two, but really not over a long period of time. And that's not just, that's not who we are. And that's oftentimes people that... Um, have that sort of luxury in life, drive themselves crazy. They retire, they make all this money, then they just need to go back to work. So I guess point B in that is, the, the kind of the point behind that is, is you try and define who you are so you can become that person and be authentically that person. It's, it, it helps to spend some time thinking about it. And I think that's really the biggest lesson um, I can give to someone. You know, we talked about thinking about those things, but there's no other way around it than just taking the time to think about it. Get a piece of paper, get a journal, and... What does it mean for you to be authentic? And you really have that answer. Um, you just haven't taken the time to think it. It's like a system. I, 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 I see this a lot. I see it in myself. It's like, all right, here's a, a very intra, introspective question that I need to ask myself when I'm in a journal and I ask it. I sit there for a second. I'm like, I don't know what the answer is. All right, what's the next question? And it's like, no, 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 no. Stick with it. Uh, I forget who it was. It just popped into my mind. But it's like someone famous person was like, it's not that I was any smarter with anyone, anyone else. I just stuck with problems longer. And taking time to understand yourself and how you tick is a problem worth sticking with. So obviously we can't, I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. We understand like being authentic generally makes sense. There's not many people you'll know that have been successful in sales that don't look back and say, I want to be authentic. The, the, the hard part is when you're early on, when you're being a robot, when you're trying to do all these things, how do you become authentic? And the more you look into it, the more it's just being real. And, and authentic maybe changes over time too, doesn't it? Um, maybe early on in your career, you don't know the answer to something. So instead of BSing your customer, you're authentic. Hey, I'm new. I don't know the answer yet, but I'm going to find out this answer. I'm going to get back to you as quick as possible. Hey, you need to ask this person for the next step in the sales process and you feel really weird because you're new. What does authenticity look like in that stage? Well, hey man, um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, um, I have kind of an uncomfortable question. Are you okay if I ask it? That's like, seems crazy, right? But that's true. That's who you are at that stage and, and understanding that and taking the time to think about that. Hey, I'm someone new and I don't know, have all the answers and I'm not a tenured sales rep that's been around for 10 years. Um, accepting that and enjoying that and laughing about it and being open and honest about it with your prospects. People are going to like that about you. They really are instead of you pretending to be someone else. So the authenticity is a really big thing and I'm glad Brian nailed on that. Um, the other component, number two, is just kind of a list of different and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of label all these under tactics and uh, both personally and specifically to sales. Uh, and some of the things that he brought up that I think are just worth kind of reverberating a little bit and pulling out. And and uh, the first one is, you know, bringing on personal habits with easy wins. And uh, we, we went into personal habits a little bit. Like most of these podcasts, I'm interested in how to get better at sales. I'm interested in how to get better at life. And I'm interested in how people tick outside of just what questions do you ask that get clients to say X? I mean, and that that's great. And there's a lot of that out there. For me, I'm interested in people. Um, so I like to get to know people. And that's kind of where we went down that, that I wouldn't necessarily call it a rabbit hole, but talked a little bit about personal habits. I think he, um, Brian shared just a great story. Like, you know, I wanted to get up and work out. And so instead of dreading it, I got up and watched a show while I was biking. And then you do that for long enough and you're like, all right, I could bike a little harder. And next thing you know, you're crushing a Peloton workout every single morning. Um, and that can be applied to any single thing you do. Um, and I think so often we get overwhelmed. Uh, and I don't remember 
if I said this, uh, yeah, I'm sure I did in the podcast, but it's, it's worth reiterating uh, in Atomic Habits where uh, James Clare talks about that. He's like, look, if you want to start going to the gym, get up and walk to the gym, do a lap around the gym, literally walk around the gym and walk out. Do that for a week or two weeks. And eventually you're going to sit down and do an exercise. And I mean, this is, we, we, we all try and, we, we all want to be a hero on the first day, but really you got to play the long game. And um, I think there's two things to these personal habits if I'm going to kind of go down a rabbit hole a little bit. And I think the first one is playing the long game. And I think the second one is, when you fail or when you miss a habit, um, of course, you know, you only miss a habit once you go back, but when you're really struggling to maintain a habit, the people that do well over a longer period of time aren't the ones that maintain the habit. It's the ones that keep at it. It's the same thing I said before. They stick with the problem. So the problem is I want to get in better shape. Maybe not I want to ride a Peloton workout every day. So you start with a Peloton workout and that just doesn't go well. So where you people feel is they give up. And maybe you give up on the Peloton workout, but what's another strategy? This is from the book, A Growth Mindset, which is absolutely brilliant. And it's like when you get to that point of what most people would consider failure, that's the point where you say, well, my strategy didn't work. What's a better strategy? And you develop another strategy and you try and execute that. And over time, as long as you, as long as your habit of, you maintain the habit of when you fail, you develop another strategy, you'll find something that works. And when you do, you stick with it and when it starts to go a different way, you develop a new strategy. So uh, personal habits with easy wins, I think that's just, it's always worth talking about that because I think for anyone new at anything and at any, shit, I mean, any stage in your life, personal habits is a big thing. One of the things I really like what he said a lot is uh, what what do you know now that you didn't know 10 years ago? And it's to think big picture. And that's so true. And it kind of doesn't necessarily go back to the authenticity, but one of the stories shared in authenticity was that Oftentimes, people newer into sales become robots because they're just trying to do what they're told and they're not thinking about anything beyond that. But thinking big picture in sales is actually a massive deal. And God, I get caught in this all the time and I've been doing it in a while. And it's the idea of like, what is your client trying to do? Like genuinely, like we go into this and we're so damn selfish. We walk into a sales call and we're like, all right, uh, even if we're like in discovery mode, I'm going to ask good questions and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Everything is centered around like, how do I get information about my product? But it's really like, what is this person trying to do? What is this like person trying to accomplish as like an individual, um, as part of this organization or not part of this organization? What is this organization trying to accomplish outside of my potentially seemingly insignificant product or service? What are they really trying to accomplish? What's the big picture here? And um, when you can start to help them move towards that accomplishment, um, whether that's with your product or with advice that maybe your product isn't a good fit or someone else's is, or maybe just general advice on the industry because you know how it works, that's really, really good karma. Um, Of course, if you get the sale, it's great. But regardless, it's good karma and it's a way to build a reputation, especially early on. So that's really hard to do when you're you're focused on sales, sales, sales. Let me get, let me get, you know, my... Let me get enough things that I can map my features and benefits to their problems and solve them. And, that, and that's great. And that comes. But you can't enter discovery or the sales process, which really are one and the same, um, from a mindset of how can I sell this? It's got to be a mindset of what is this person trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? What are they struggling with? What's the big picture here? And I, I wish I could give more concrete advice on that. It just really varies 
depending on the situation. But I think that's a really important thing. Uh, and I know I struggled with that early on and I still do is I just get caught up in like me and how can I help? Um, and cause we feel like that's our job, but that's what most salespeople are doing is that job. So if you want to be better than most salespeople, you probably have to do a different job. Uh, the last one, which I kind of alluded to earlier was the checking the box versus taking action. I thought, um, Brian did a good job of distinguishing in that. And I think that's a really important thing. Uh, particularly early on, I think checking the box is important if that's what your company requires of you. Um, but again, <laughs> think big picture for yourself. What are you trying to accomplish? Um, you know, <clears throat> take the time to answer a hard question, an introspective question that's not that easy to answer. What's, what are you trying to get out of your job, your career? What's personally, you know, what are you trying to move towards? Obviously, if you're in a sales job, you know, you want to make money, but what's that for? What does development look like for you? What does the next stage in your career kind of look like for you in general? And so how do you start to build um, build a case that allows you to, instead of just saying, yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this, it allows you to think a little bit more critically about why you're doing this and why you're doing that. And hmm, maybe taking action based on what I know I want, which falls in line obviously with success in my job, is a little bit different than just saying I'm going to do all the things that my company told me to do. And... Uh, what that really means when you break it down, we talk about taking action versus checking the box, taking dedicated action towards something that helps you towards the, towards the direction you are. And I, I can't believe I'm going to connect this, but it's true. That's your why. So much in sales, you got to find your personal why. And it's such, B, I mean, it's not BS, but it's just, it's really hard to get around. But really the, your why is just what's, what's in it for you, right? Is checking the box and doing all the things your company tells you to do, particularly when you're early on in your career and you're trained, you're getting trained, you got to do this, this, and this. Do you have to do all those things? Absolutely. But why are you doing those things? How are those, how can you map those things to your benefits, to your, to your things that are moving you forward in your career? And how does that look? So when you do check those boxes, you're doing it in a way that you can resonate with. I think that's really important to think about. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, and the last one, I always have a little bonus. Um, and this was, goes back to the very beginning of the podcast when Brian was talking about his background and he said, Early on in his career, he got out of college. His dad int int introduced him to someone who ended up taking him under his wing and becoming a mentor. And time and time again, I think we can all look back in our career and look early on in our career. We all, a lot of successful, and we had multiple mentors throughout our career, but particularly, you know, specifically early on, I've said particularly like 15 damn times in this, um, in this, uh, <laughs> in this summary here. So I'm trying to not say particularly so particularly often, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think it's super important, particularly early on in your career, to uh, to find a mentor. And I don't. I think that looks different for every single person. I know it's not as simple as just clicking a button, but kind of is. Most companies offer that now. Um, you can certainly find someone who's just willing to kind of give you advice and take you under their wing a little bit. But I, I think um, those people are there. People want to help. Um, you're whatever age you are, whatever point you are in your career right now, at the end of the day, you're ahead of someone in some respect. It might not be in sales. It could be in something else. You're ahead of someone. And if you were ahead of someone and they came to you and said, hey, man, I, I, I just want to pick your brain. Um, I want to learn from you. I think you'd be pretty open to that. So uh, look at it from the other side. I think if you were to go to your sales manager or someone and say, hey, I'm looking for someone to kind of help, help me just learn the ropes a little bit. People are really happy, uh, happy to do that. So I, I would highly recommend finding a mentor, finding someone to support you um, in, any, in whatever capacity possible. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be sales, just in any way to kind of get some insight from um, someone with a little bit more experience under their belt.
think it's a great thing to do. Anyway, um, coming on an hour here, so uh, I think that that covers it. Uh, great conversation with Brian. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys are enjoying. I've, I've actually had had some good feedback. And God, these rants are kind of fun. I haven't done them in a while. So um, and it helps me too. Like I said, I don't really care about any of you guys. I just care about myself. So it's good to be able to bring all these points together. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed and uh, have a great day.